0: Well, I need to prepare you. a little pump this morning. I'm excited to be at church. Anybody else excited to be here this morning? Thank Yeah. All right. Hey, my name's Aaron. If you're a guest with us, I'm one of the pastors here. And we're incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you with us this morning and gathering together in the name of Jesus. And I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I also want to say welcome to those that may be watching this online later. Thanks for joining the conversation. But uh, one of the things I'd like to do really quick, if you, if you allow me to, I, I want to speak specifically to our guests and I don't know how you arrived here today. It was likely on the other end of an invitation. Maybe you saw one of our A-Frame signs and you thought, well, hey, we live in the area. We should check that sign or check that church out. Maybe you've moved into the city here recently. And I don't know if you know this, but we're the second fastest growing city in the nation right now. So a lot of new people moving in the city and maybe you got here and you kind of Googled churches in Colorado Springs and you landed on the best one. And so, um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Not really, that was true. Um, but I don't know why you're here. I don't know how you got here. But we're thankful that you're here. And I do have something that I would like to ask of you. I would like for you to consider coming for the next three weeks. And the reason why I want you to consider coming for the next three weeks, and listen to me, I know that's a big ask, but the reason why I want you to consider that is because today we kick off a four-week series called Deep and Wide. And this series is going to be a series that's full of new vision for us as a church, new opportunities for us as a church, even some new directions that I feel like God is causing us and, and calling us to change as a church. Now, why does that matter to you? Here's why. I bet most of us in here are like the rest of us. You've heard us say this before. And because of that, I bet you're looking for some new vision in your life. I bet you're looking for some new opportunities to go deeper in your faith. And maybe you would go as far as to say you're even looking for a new direction to take in your life because the direction that you've been going has not been working, has it? And so I would go as far as to say, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I hope and pray that this series even becomes for you something that you look back on, like a pivotal moment in your life that you look back on as a moment in life and a moment in this church that allowed you to go deeper in your faith, deeper into this right here, which is what we're all looking for, deeper into purpose, a deeper purpose and more meaningful purpose for our lives, one that will leave a lasting impact even when our lives are gone. And so before we move forward, I just want to pray that. I want to pray over us this morning. I want to pray that God would use this time, but also this series, as an opportunity for us to find new vision, new opportunity, and new direction for our lives and for our church. Sound good? Why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. God, you know that this has been something that you've been stirring within me for three to six months, whatever that time frame is. And God, I pray that you would use this time, that you would continue to revive something inside of us, to ignite something inside of us, to use the influence that you have given us because we all have it and that we would learn how to leverage that, not for the sake of our own lives, but for your kingdom. And so God, would you teach us this morning, would you help us to arrive there together and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for doing that. Hey, um, we're going to be in Mark's gospel today, specifically in chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn them open or turn them on, and you can find your way over to there. But in order to get to where we're going, I need to tell a story. Everybody in the mood for some story time with Aaron today? Is that okay? And so, yeah, there you go. I didn't know you are that excited about me telling stories. That's good. Hey, um... This actually happens, I should say it this way, this begins with what this week represents, specifically in my family's life. You see, this is the anniversary from four years ago where this event right here took place. This is my family and I loading up the truck from our house in Arizona and beginning the 800-plus-mile journey to a city called Colorado Springs to plant a new church, a church that we knew was going to be called Trace Church. Now, at this point, we didn't have a team, but we had a dream. We had a dream that we wanted to start a, a church that wasn't gonna be like every other church, and listen to me, it wasn't like we wanted to to, wanted to just be different for the sake of being different, but we wanted to be faithful to who God had called us to be. We wanted to take all the experiences and things that had happened in our lives, and we wanted to bring that to the table and say, God, use this, use this. And how, can we, how can we have a unique expression for being a new church in Colorado Springs? And this idea of a unique expression Reminded me of this video that I gotta show you really quick. Check this out. Good job, bro. go flat. Good job, dude. Oh, kill, the one. Uh-oh.
1: Oh, Max, don't. You yeah, almost fell. Go ahead, Max. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Lord.
0: Anybody else feel that way when you're trying to be trendy? Like the old folks? Yeah, yeah, that's me right there. So on September 11th, of 2016 Trace Church got started. How many really quick, how many of you guys have been with us since that very first, yeah, grand opening? Many of you, awesome, I love to see that. And you know that we've accomplished a lot together, haven't we, it's been amazing. We, we talked about this a lot last year, the, um, the story, the unrealistic story that God has been telling in this place has just been, it's been incredible. But one of the things that you might not know is how hard uh, I have been working behind the scenes specifically to create, well, it's this right here, it's culture. You see, one of the things that God has afforded me in my life is the opportunity to be a part of a lot of different types of organizations, a lot of of different types of startups even. And one of the things that I experienced with those different opportunities was that culture, no matter if you want it to or not, culture will be created. And so you can either intentionally create culture or you can passively or accidentally allow it to create itself. And so one of the things that I knew, it's like I want to make sure, because we're starting from scratch as a new church, again, September 11th, 2016, that we wanted to create a really intentional culture here. And so we kept coming back to the table with one particular question in mind what do we want people to experience when they walk through those doors? Not just what we say from stage or sing from stage, but what do we want people to experience when they walk through those doors? And the first answer was pretty obvious. Maybe it'd be obvious to you as well. We want people to experience the tangible love of Jesus. The tangible love of Jesus. In other words, it's not just what they hear us say, but it's what they see. It's what they experience. Because of our willingness to extend hope and life hurts. Our willingness to love people just as they are and to be available, we've talked about this a lot, to live an interruptible life so that when someone needs you, you are there and we've talked about this over and over again and so we talked about this as the culture that we wanted to create, but I knew that if we wanna be intentional about creating a culture here, we gotta make sure that there are statements that we come back to over and over again to the point, and we literally said this behind the scenes, and we haven't said them enough until you start mocking us for saying them. And so you've heard us make statements like this. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. A place that you can come with your doubts and with your questions and with your brokenness and you can, you can belong here well before you believe. If you have real questions about places like this and people like me, we get it. There's plenty of church hurt out there to go around, isn't there? But this is a place you can come. If you just need to sit and soak, Like we get it. This is a place where that can happen. The other statement, another statement is this. You can't hide and heal at the same time and so many people are doing this and so we decided we wanted to make sure that we repeated this over and over again this is a place that you can stop hiding from the realities in your life because you can't hide and heal at the same time and then I just made this statement a few moments ago that most of us are like the rest of us and you know why that statement is so important it's because your enemy wants to isolate you in your struggle. He's trying to tell you your pain and your brokenness and your problems, those are yours. Nobody, like nobody else is struggling with what you're struggling with. This is on you, and your enemy's trying to convince you that you're isolated in this struggle. And if you were to ever convey what's really happening behind the scenes in your life, the people wouldn't love you. And so we wanted to make sure that this culture did not represent that, that this was a place where you could realize most of us are like the rest of us. And the last one is this. We've been talking about this a lot here recently. It's a place where you can stop pretending. A place that you can stop pretending. And when we put these statements together, you know what this creates? A messy church. And you know why it's messy? Because you're messy. (laughs) And I'm messy. Our stories have some messiness to them. And we have came to the conclusion that we're okay with this, that we're going to be a messy church. And friends, messy church is what you get when people stop pretending, and it's the only way that Jesus knew how to do church. Go back and look through the Gospels. The way that he did his ministry naturally attracted people to himself that were in the midst of a messy situation. And one of the reasons that we've worked so hard as a team to put this kind of culture in place is because too often in the church, listen to me, too often in the church, we have focused on our shared beliefs, which is important, I'm not dismissing them, but we focus so much on our shared beliefs when it's actually our shared brokenness that brings people together. Can I get an amen? And so from our very first Sunday, I've done my best to instill this into our culture here at Trace. And I want to do something. I want to be, <laughs> this is kind of sentimental for me. I went back and looked through my sermon, the very first sermon that I ever preached on that, on that uh, grand opening, September 11th of 2016. And I want to read to you something that is now incredibly telling. Here's what I said, and this is word for word. Let me foreshadow a bit for us. The story of this church will be one filled with transformed lives, with people who watch their hurt be turned into hope, people who watch the broken pieces of their life be turned into something beautiful where people's lives get redefined as God takes their pain and he turns it into purpose. Our story will be one filled with images of people putting themselves aside for the sake of serving others. And church, with your help and with your eyes fixed on Jesus and with the power of God who's able to do abundantly more than what we could ever ask or imagine, we have created this culture. Not because of what we've said, but because of what people see and experience when they come through those doors. People like my friend, Jason, check this story out.
1: I grew up in uh, a home with drugs and domestic violence. That molded me to be who I was for the next 20 years. I had issues with fear and anxiety, and you know, depression. Sometimes the only thing that gave me strength was looking after my kid brother Frankie, you know, because I knew I could protect him, but I could never protect my mom. So I found myself quick outside of the home latching onto anger, which was the root, you know, feeling of fear. Fighting kids to have my sense of strength outside of the home because I knew once I got home I was gonna be scared, you know. Long story short, eventually. Uh, my wife at the time was leaving a nightclub one night and got assaulted by a man and got his license plate number, so me being this kid, this fearful kid who could never protect his mom, wanted to protect my wife, so I assaulted this guy and ended up in prison over it. Coming out of prison, I figured, you know, I didn't make too many changes in prison. But uh, when those gates opened, I thought that was the answer to everything. I'm out now. Life is good, see the sunshine, I'm going to go for it, you know, I'm going to have a house, a car and a job and, you know, start another family and um, I found out real quick that um, that struggle just was the same and I was the same and the anger was the same and I had no purpose, I just didn't know what to do. So basically, one day a friend of mine, who I've known for a long time, grew up the same way as me. I ran into him after 15 years, and this guy was just completely different. He's a big old guy, completely humble. Didn't have any. He used to have all the money, all the girls. You know what I mean? He didn't have anything, but he was so happy. And I'm like, where can I get some of this, man? Like, I'm in a bad spot. I thought getting out of prison and you know putting this behind me, life was gonna be awesome, but it was just the same old, same old. So. He's like, I'm a Christian. I'm like, really? How do you even go about doing that? So I opened the book. He gave me the Bible and opened the book. And I started reading John and I get to John five and something just comes over me, man. Like there's this paralyzed guy at the pool and he's been sick for 38 years. And here I am, 38 years old, looking for a change. And something came over me. I can't explain it. It was powerful. And I just... Decided to take that leap of faith and give my give my life to Jesus and let him guide me to where I needed to go And that's when I showed up at Trace. I met Aaron and I made the commitment and It was the easiest decision I made but the most difficult choice because I had to go through a lot of change and a lot of um, Getting rid of old relationships that were volatile and painful. I put it into Jesus where I should have been the whole time and it's been really powerful. So now that I know what love is, and I've learned what grace is, and I've accepted that, that no matter what I've done, I can still be loved, and then I go into the Word and I figure, well, what is love? It's patient, kind, not boastful, it's humble, all these things I practice, and it attracts meaningful relationships into my life, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And it was simple, man. I just accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and got baptized. And the rest is history for me. It's awesome. I would never look back.
0: (laughs) No matter what I've done, I can still be loved. you catch that statement? Is anyone else here thankful that this story is not uncommon here in this place? Anybody else thankful for that? Because I am. Yeah, you can give it up. That's fine. Now, I say all that I've said up to this point, but now I need to pivot. Because what I need to to do now is to make a confession to you. You see, anytime, and you get this, anytime you focus so much on one particular thing, and in this particular context, it's the subject of culture, anytime you focus so much on one thing, it's likely that you miss something else that's also important. And so I want to confess to you this morning that in the process of focusing so much on making sure that we develop the culture that I wanted us to develop as a church, we lost sight of the city that we came here to serve. And church, I'm here to confess to you today that that's on me. I have not put enough opportunities in front of us to be the church that we need to be for this city. And here's maybe the way that I would say it. If we closed our doors tomorrow, I think the people who make up this church would deeply miss us. I think this church has made a big impact on many of your lives, but I don't think this city would miss us. And here's what you need to hear me say today. That changes now. That changes now. I've been spending a lot of time with the Lord in the last three to six months about how we can begin to leverage our influence as a church, an incredible church, if you ask me, that's created a beautiful culture. And we've got 500 to 550 people who show up here on I- any given Sunday. And church, it's time to leverage that influence to make a huge impact in the city, a city that we came up here to serve. But I need to be clear with you this morning because this just isn't a pep talk. In order for us to pursue this deeper, more meaningful purpose together, we got to talk about a real problem that we need to overcome together. And Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 10, and it really comes on the other end of answering this question every single, na- every single day, not just one time. How am I leveraging my influence? You see, if we have the ability to leverage our influence as a church to make a huge impact in our city, and then that begins with us as individuals, and then it grows to us as a church. So let's start with you, and let's start with me. How am I leveraging my influence right now? And in Mark chapter 10, we're gonna see, find Jesus in the middle of his ministry, and his disciples are with him, and we find them kind of in this place, in this time frame where they're watching him perform all these miracles, and he's giving them the, these new perspectives on different kingdom principles like money and marriage. And every so often what Jesus would do is he would interrupt his teaching rhythm and he would pull his, his disciples aside, his main guys, his fellas, his boys, and he'd be like, okay guys, come here because I don't want everybody else to hear this. And so we find this happen in one particular moment in Mark's gospel in chapter 10 and he pulls them aside because he's trying to prepare them. He's trying to prepare them for his upcoming death. Here's what we read. Jesus says, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, will flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Now, simply based on the respect and admiration that these guys have for Jesus, you would expect some kind of empathy, wouldn't you? I mean, where's Peter in this moment? He's like, no, Jesus, we're gonna fight for you. This will never happen doesn't happen what about doubting Thomas like raising his hands like well if that's all that's going to go down in Jerusalem like do we have to go to Jerusalem I hear it's humid there this time of year we could just go to the beach Jesus I mean we don't have to go there but we don't we don't see any of this happen instead we get a front row seat to the condition of the human heart a front row seat to specifically James and John two of his disciples who decide they're going to take this moment where Jesus has just described this horrific death that's about to come his way. But James and John decide that this is their moment to leverage their influence with Jesus for their own personal benefit. Here's what they say. Teacher, they said, let me paraphrase here. Jesus, we, we heard everything you just said, and man that, oh, man, that sucks for you, and we hate that that's going to happen, and uh, just really unfortunate, really, really unfortunate. But we want you to do us a favor. Can you can you just like take a moment and grasp these two like completely like the polarization of these moments where Jesus is trying to describe something horrific that's about to happen to him and James and John decide hey this is our opportunity hey we don't know when this is going to go down we don't know when it's actually going to happen so we better leverage our influence now for our own personal benefit and so they ask hey Jesus will you do us a favor And my guess is he kind of of answers with a side reply that sounds something like this. What is your request? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Again, we want to leverage our influence that we have with you now, Jesus, because we may not get an opportunity later. And so, yeah, we hate that all that stuff's going to happen to you, but will you do this for us? Now, without casting too much judgment on the disciples, couldn't we all admit this morning that we've done this? At some point in our life, we've all leveraged our influence to achieve a desired outcome that mainly benefited us. Or maybe you've been on the other side of this equation. Maybe you've been on the other side of a a friend, a boss, a coworker, God forbid, even a parent, who leveraged their influence over you to get a desired outcome that solely benefited themselves. Regardless of what side you've been on, most recently, here's what I know, we all have influence. We all have influence, but how we leverage that influence will determine the legacy that we leave. A legacy that either points to a life leveraged for your own personal benefit, or a life leveraged to the benefit to the lives of others. Here's what happens. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant, so Jesus called them together and said, you, you know that the rulers, guys, like, again, imagine this. He's kind of pulls them in. He sees this as a teaching opportunity. He's like, okay, boys, come on in. Like, come here real quick because, like, you're getting way off track. Let me Everybody in. Everybody under the olive tree. Let me talk to you really quick. You know that the rulers in this world, guys, have you noticed this, that the rulers in this world, they lord it over people, and how the officials, the leaders, the people with power and position and influence, how they flaunt that authority over those underneath them. In other words, Jesus is saying, fellas, have you noticed how much people typically leverage their influence for their own personal benefit? Have you noticed how people use other people to get what they want, to get ahead, to get the business deal, to get the promotion, to get the unfair advantage for their kid, to get a seat at the cool kid's table? Guys, have you also noticed how most people don't leverage their influence to help others? Now, I can't speak for you this morning, but when it comes to my own personal life, I want to leverage my influence for Jesus. I want to leverage my influence that leaves a legacy that doesn't point back to me, but it points to love himself. I want to leverage my influence in a way that doesn't just benefit and make my story better, but it makes the story of people's lives around me better. And I think most of you probably feel that way too. And Jesus sees this moment as an opportunity where his disciples are getting caught up in this current of the culture that's taking them away, this idea where it's all about me. What can I get out of this? How can I get my name to the top of the list? How can I use my influence to gain benefit and make my story better? And then Jesus, imagine, again, you've got a picture of the scene. I imagine he looks at his closest friends and he's kind of looking around the room like a coach would trying to get eye contact with each of them. And he says, guys, if you want to be my follower, then not so with you. Not so with you. If you really want to make your life about me, if you want to call me Lord and allow me to be the leader of your life, then that can't be your story. Not so with you. So when we do have this notion inside of us, and guys, we're all guilty of it, where it's like, hey, what can I get out of this? How can this help me out? Jesus says, not so with you. How can I get recognized more? Jesus says, not so with you. How can I leverage my influence and even leverage people for the sake of my own benefit? Jesus says, not so with you. So Trace Church, if you're ready to step into a new purpose with me, a deeper, more meaningful purpose, I think Jesus would tell us it's going to come down to two things. It's how we look at people, and it's how we're going to leverage our influence. And listen to me, don't miss this. If you want, if you want, this world will teach you how to leverage people for your own benefit. This world's really good at doing that. But our leader and our Lord Jesus, He's actually calling us to leverage our influence for the benefit of people. And how do we do that? We serve them. You know this. Serving others is not just something that we do. As followers of Jesus, it's part of our identity, it's who we are. We are servants. A follower of Jesus who isn't a servant is an oxymoron, and I know that's a strong statement. Let me come at this from a different angle. Many of you have heard this passage likely many times within the church. Excuse me, it's in Matthew chapter 22, and it's when Jesus is being trapped by some of the religious leaders, some of the experts in the law, and they come to him and they say, okay, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? You, You remember this, you've heard this before, and Jesus replies, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And you, I can imagine some of them saying, oh, okay, okay. He's like, "Well, no, 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 I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm not done yet. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. But church, I need to admit something to you this morning, and I also need to teach you something this morning. You see, we've gotten this passage wrong. I've gotten it wrong. You see, oftentimes what we do is in order to kind of summate what this verse is saying, what this passage is saying is we say, hey, that means love God, love people, right? You've said this before. We love God, we love people. We love God, we love people. We love God, we love people. I've said this more times than I can count, but that's not what this verse is saying. We've got it wrong. You see, what Jesus is saying when he's being asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it. In other words, wait a minute. You can't do the first without the second. The second is like it. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Ultimately, what Jesus is actually saying is this right here. You love God by loving people. It's not love God, love people. You love God by loving people. We've gotten this wrong. And so how do we, how do we love people? Like what is the best expression of how we love people? It's through serving them. And when service is missing from our mission, there is a whole in our gospel I actually read a great book entitled that the hole in our gospel by Richard Stearns I want to read to you one statement he makes out of that book he said we must move beyond an anemic view of our faith as something only personal and private with no public dimension and instead see it as the source of power the source of power that can change the world Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say about this. He says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words, but you don't ever do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would anybody else punch somebody if they said that to him? I wouldn't. I was just seeing if you would. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup? Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God action is outrageous nonsense? So let's bring this all together. What does all of this mean for us? And why are we doing this series? And why have I made such a big deal about all of this? It's because today we decide as a people and as a church that we're going to leverage our influence for the benefit of others. That we're going to leverage our influence to make an impact in this city. That we're not going to leverage people for our own benefit, but we're going to leverage our influence to benefit people. This sermon was never about saying the right words, but instead it was about preparing us for the right opportunity. And we are no longer, listen to me, we're no longer just going to be a church in this city. We're going to be a church for this city. You've been hearing us talk about this service project coming up down at Mark Twain Elementary. It's next Saturday. And you need to know this, that this is not just like a one-time service project, but we're actually adopting this school. It's it's a, a Title I school about 15 minutes from here. And next Saturday, listen to me, next Saturday is our one and only opportunity to make a first impression. Next Saturday is our one and only opportunity to make a first impression on a bunch of people at a school in our community that we're willing to leverage our influence, 500 about 550 people, so that we can not just leverage our influence to make our stories better, but to make their stories better. Guys, it's time, it's time. And here's the deal, we're ready, aren't we? Are you ready for this? I think we're ready. You can clap if you want to. Everybody, I can feel it inside of you. We're ready. I've been talking to people about this, and one of the common responses that I get is I tell people, like, we're shifting, we're moving, we're going in a new direction. God has called us like it's beautiful. The culture that we have built here is beautiful, but it's time we leverage it, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of our city. And let me be clear, this is not just a one-time event. This is going, going to be who we are, a church that serves this city. And I'm not gonna give you all the details now, but this is one of our number one initiatives for this entire year. And so we've given it a name, iHeart719. And so when we do future service projects in the city, and we've already got several lined up, we're not gonna call them service projects, we're gonna call them iHeart719 projects. And we're going to love the people of this city. You know why? It doesn't doesn't have to be any more complicated than this. You know why we're gonna love the people of this city? Because God loves the people in this city. And the best way that we can show them and express, have an expression as a church of how we're gonna love them is through service. And so here in a few weeks on our third year anniversary on September 8th, uh, here in a few weeks, we're actually gonna hand one of these t-shirts out to every single one of you. And it's gonna become our service t-shirt. And so when we serve together and we're a part of an iHeart719 project, and people in this city see all these people with all these shirts that say iHeart719, they're gonna say, those are those crazy people at Trace that love people unconditionally. And they don't just talk about it like they do it. It's not just empty words like this is who they are. They love this city. They love the people in this city. They love the schools in this city. So Trace Church, listen to me. It's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. And this can't be a half-hearted effort. Because listen to me, I'm going to conclude with this statement. This cannot be a half-hearted effort because it's going to take our whole heart to fulfill the God calling that he is putting in front of us. It's gonna take our whole heart. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come up here on stage and I'm gonna pray for us. And they're gonna lead us here in just a few moments in a a song, it's actually called Whole Hearts, one of my favorite worship songs right now. And I want you to wrestle as we go through our response time, I'll set it up here in just a moment. I want you to wrestle with the question, How am I using my influence? Because I can get up here and give us a good pep talk as a coach, a good coach would, but if we're not willing to come to that question every single day of our lives and we wake up and say, how am I gonna leverage my influence today? Then I think we're gonna miss it. It can't be a half-hearted effort, Trace. It's gotta be a whole-hearted effort because the purpose and the calling that God is putting in front of us, it's going to take our whole heart. If you're a follower of Jesus, Uh, I wanna encourage you as we go into this time of response. uh, There are some tables around the room and as followers of Jesus, we're gonna celebrate in something called communion where we take a cracker that represents the broken body of Jesus and we're gonna dip it in a cup of juice that represents his blood and don't miss this. Don't miss this. You know what we're remembering? You know what we're celebrating? The fact that Jesus leveraged his life so that you could have it. That's what we celebrate by remembering the cross, that Jesus leveraged his life, his one and only life, so that you could have it. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus today, again, this is a safe place you can come if you just want to stay in your chair, process through some of the things that you've heard this morning. I'll stand over here by this sign that says, I said yes to Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what a personal relationship with Christ looks like, we believe that's the biggest step you'll ever make in your life. And if you want to talk about that today, I'm available to talk to you about that. This is also an opportunity where you can bring your offering for those of you that are partnering with us through generosity and wanting to see the mission of God through Trace continue to move forward. Uh, They've got buckets there you can drop your offering. And then for those of you that uh, would like to get something off your chest today, we've got prayer stations in the back. Maybe you've been carrying something on your own too long. One of the ways that we can help carry that burden with you is through prayer. And so we would encourage you to go back and submit that prayer request. But I'm gonna pray for us right now and I want you to spend some time with God. And church, I want us to get ready because it's time to leverage our influence. This can't be a half-hearted effort because it's gonna take our whole heart to fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has in front of us. Let me pray for us. Father, you have been stirring this inside of me for a while. And Lord, I believe you would not have stirred this inside of me unless you have already prepared your people that are in front of me. That you have prepared us for this time, for this pivotal moment in this church's history where we begin to take on a new shape father that we begin to take the influence that we have in this beautiful culture that you have helped us to build and that we begin to leverage it so that not our stories get better but for the stories of people in the city for them to get better and that god that we would serve this city in such a way that people couldn't help but take notice they couldn't help but take notice of these people these people from this church called trace how much they're willing to sacrifice their time and their efforts and finances even for the sake of allowing someone else's story to be better. And so God, would you partner with us? You're a big God. You've given us a big vision. Would you help us to fill it? We pray this in Christ's name.